Hey y'all, welcome back to Voices of the Body, the podcast. My name is Love Ashley Elaine and I will be your guide as we journey through the rest of yoga in the dark night of the soul. Yes, this episode we are tapping into the very last part, which is part five, agreement for let sacred love be your only goal. So we're talking about love, y'all. We talking about where it comes from, how you can live authentically and love, how you can clean your heart out and just let love purify it, fill it with love, all the things. I love love. I love love. I also love learning about love. So prepare your mind, body, and soul as we get into this episode. And we are back. Uh, So we're going to drop into our heart space. Let's take a nice big inhale. And exhale right where you are. Right. Allow your body to get comfortable. Find a position that will allow you to really come into stillness and just give you space to examine your heart space. And once you're in that comfortable seated position, take another big inhale and exhale. option here if you're comfortable in your space and in your body is to bring your gaze down your nose or gently close your eyes and one more nice big inhale and exhale
and draw all of your attention, all of your focus, all of your energy towards your heart, your chest, that upper body portion. And just allow your awareness to be there, to be present. As we journey through what has scarred our heart that we may still be holding on to? What's still residing in there from something we may have done or something that's been done to us that we have not extended a f- forgiveness towards? Because as we as we have learned forgiveness isn't for the other person it's for us right learning how to forgive ourselves for not knowing better we knew what we knew when we knew it right allowing ourselves to forgive the other person and also extend grace right What offenses are still sitting in your heart that need to let go? And letting go doesn't always mean that we allow that person back into our space. Letting go symbolizes refreshing right new beginning for us internally because internally is where everything is stored everything is held it's not even about the other person anymore right if we want to take forgiveness and letting go in steps and stages right because growth happens in steps and stages whatever offenses may be sitting in our heart Start with just letting them go because you want to be free from it, right? Everything doesn't need to be taken to the grave with us, right? Set yourself free while you're here so that you can live in freedom, so that you can live in purity, so that you can live and lead your life from authentic love, so that the love that you have for yourself can continue to grow and be bold and be gentle and be fun and be bright and you attract those people around you and as you allow yourself to stir that up in your heart then working through the for not the forgiveness piece but that other person comes right What kind of love is sitting in your heart? Is it bitter love? Is it agape love? Which agape love means love for people, right? Is it spiteful love? Is it jubilee, right? Are we doing things with joy? So take some time here, take another 
big inhale and coming back into your body and exhale nice and gentle this time bringing both hands over your heart space and just make your declaration speaking out loud what you want to let go that is taking up space in your heart be honest with yourself what needs to be let go what needs to be removed it's only going to start with you it's only going to start with you making the choice to say I choose to lead my life from authentic pure love and each day you'll be able to ask yourself am I actually doing this have I emptied my heart and take another big inhale and exhale and last one nice big inhale and exhale and when the body is ready right, making subtle movements gently blinking your eyes open coming back into your space acknowledging your surroundings and maybe do some journaling i'm a journaler y'all know i'm a journaler take some time to pause here and journal what came up for you right allow yourself to be authentic and vulnerable with yourself can't do that with ourselves i don't know how it's possible to do that with anyone else all right and we will be right back And welcome back to Voices of the Body, the podcast. So we are in the last part of Yoga in the Dark Night of the Soul. First off, thank y'all for rocking with me and experimenting with this first book club via podcast thing. Um, this was actually fun for me because I'm slightly a nerd and I love to read. So if you enjoyed it, be prepared because there are some other books that I am going to be reading have started like the first page. Um, I want to do more of this, right? Um, thank you for the positive feedback that I've been getting. All the things, all the things. So part five of yoga in the dark night of the soul we're diving into agreement four if you remember there were four different agreements that arjana was sharing with krishna or that arjana learned from krishna excuse me and this last one is let sacred love be your only goal right 
So when we start uh, section, when we start this part of the book, this last part of the book, Arjana is still not at peace, right? Kush has been giving him all these gems, all these things. He's learning all these stories, but he's still like bent over in pain and in despair and just still not at ease, not at peace, just still in a state of confusion. Krishna is now teaching him, right, this deeper meaning of yoga, which is bhakti yoga. Um, bhakti yoga is offering love and it breaks the dark night of that soul, right? It, it Like it breaks you out of it, which when I think about like some of my experiences, right, and really this last huge space that I was in that was like, I think like the icing on the cake for the transformational space that I'm currently in, right? Like journeying in the beginning of, um, the more I started to declare love for myself, right? Gratitude and love for God and allowing myself to allowing what was who was naturally like falling away and who was naturally coming in right so my my who's now my best friend and listen y'all it took me a minute for me to even call her that because of my my um my past like friendships and giving that title right um, I've had friends like best two best friends for 15, 20 years. And I mean, people grow apart, right? We're, we're, we're like learning ourselves. We're learning each other, all of those things. Right. But that season that I'm, I was last in, like, she just texts me one day, right? We used to work together. She just texts me one day asking me something about yoga for one of her kids and we just kept talking from there. We just like kept, you know, communicating and all of that. Um, we didn't even really work together. Like her job contracted me for to work with a family that she was also working with. So she was the caseworker and I was the outside contractor coming in. But like we still communicated because she needed to know progress, blah, 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 all that stuff. So yeah like it just it like so it just naturally happened and she's the first person i went um on a trip with outside of the country and i wasn't nervous about it but i was just like okay like how is this gonna go right but we but we went on that trip because we had a similar interest and we were going for a yoga teacher training so that right there was already like checkmate right like our first outing together our first date together um was a yoga class right that is already a very like uh, interesting space to be in right not a lot of people family or friends do i know like that would that would do that with me right or or invite me to a yoga class right she like she knows i teach but to invite me to the studio she goes to, like, it was so, I'm like, I can talk for days about my friendship with her. But moving through what I was in, right, there was even like a fear of like telling her what was going on with me in that current moment. 
because I didn't want to like bring down the energy. I didn't want to make the space heavy. And it was like, okay, like I know her, but we're still getting to know each other. Can I trust her with my heart? Can I trust her with this this side of me, like this ugly part of me? Because she knows my work ethic because of how we worked, right? So now it was like a different space that we were traveling into and something in that moment, like she has this dope ass beanbag thing in her house. And I think we were, it's huge. It's big enough for two people to sit on. I think we were sitting on that or like we were, and then we were sitting on the couch and she like had cooked and was giving me, um, like she had made me a plate, whatever. And like afterwards we were just sitting around talking and something was like, just tell her what's going on with you. Ah, we were sitting on the beanbag and I just started telling her. And I think another part of me didn't want to really like disclose all of that because I was already at a point where I was like sick of crying. So I knew that if I like shared everything with her, that it was going to come up. And I like in the past, I've been around people and had friendships and relationships with people where like me crying made them uncomfortable me crying that's my superpower right that's what allows me to be able to have this conversation right now on like keeping my heart clean keeping my heart empty right and feeling my feels and being vulnerable right um I don't I don't want to be hard I want to be soft I want to I want to feel my feels I want to be present in what my pain is so that when I can also, when I also experience pleasure, I know I can speak to what that feels like either. I don't want to just feel one or the other. I want to be able to feel both. Right. So I'm sharing this story for a purpose. I promise. So I remember sharing all of this with her and she was just like, oh my God, like, you're so strong. And like, I, I know I started crying. Like, I know I started crying. And she just, like, she just said, like, I can't, like, she was like, I had no idea that you were even, like, going through something this heavy. And I was like, well, I, I don't, I, like, the, you text me about, yoga like I wasn't about to say it but be like oh by the way like this this and this and all this other stuff is happening like and she was like yeah I know but like I just I like you're just so strong and very vulnerable she was like like I was like I'm sorry for crying she's like no don't be sorry for crying like that's okay like I like if you weren't crying I'd be concerned and like that was a huge part of why we continue to still be friends to this day. It's only been a year. <laughs> it feels a lot longer because I've been able to like empty my heart and really show her my heart and also grow with her just in this year, right? We there's like we've grown a lot already together just in this year, right? So I like I if I know she's listening. I hope she's listening. Girl, I love you. So I bring that up because 
Krishna is now teaching Arjuna, right? How to go deeper into breaking the spell of the dark night of the soul, right? Like really breaking that despair, really breaking what is what is trying to destroy him, right? Um, and not destroy him physically, but like there's this thing where when you allow despair to be your to to be a constant thing, right? It's a fight to pull yourself out of it, right? That like what Arjana is going through, I I've I've felt it before. I've experienced it. Excuse me. I've I've sat in it. I've cried in it. I've had like suicidal ideations in it. Like I've I've been where this book is really digging into like Arjana's dark night, right? Of his soul. So to pull yourself up out of it is like, ooh, some days I don't, I like, yeah, to pull yourself out of it, like love is the only thing that can pull you out of it. And I shared that story with my now best friend because her love and her opening her arms and her staying um true right to her authentic self and allowing me to be true to my authentic self in that moment allowed me to pull myself out right allowed me to really look at okay i can't i like i don't want to be i don't want to live like this anymore right i don't want to let this be a thing anymore right because like I've said it time and time again, like this was the icing on the cake for so many things that I was, I was unaware of, but like I knew was taking place, but didn't have a name to put to it type thing. Right. Like, it's like, oh, I know this is like something that is happening. Right. So it starts out as, oh, this is something that is happening to me. Okay. And then you awaken a little bit and it's like, oh, Oh, this is what is happening to me, but why? Like, is like this is, but you're now just like in the cycle repetitively, right? And then you wake in a little bit more, and it's like, okay, well, I don't know if I want that anymore, right? But something still in my body still gravitates towards that. So now it's like it happened again, but this time it was like a million gazillion times worse. And it's like, no, bitch, I don't want none of that no more. <laughs> like, I don't want to live like this and no more. I am staying with me. I'm going to be with me. I'm going to love me authentically with joy and happiness and all the vulnerability. I'm going to do the things that make me feel loved right? Because I set the standard and the tone for what love looks like for me. That's including friendships. That's including romantic relationships. That's including family. That's including places I go. I set the standard, right? And everybody else has to reflect that standard. So Arjuna is learning from Krishna, right? That yoga the, that the definition, the, like the more de defined, the more advanced defined definition, excuse me, of yoga is that it's an unwavering offer of love, right? Again, I didn't go deep into it. Um, I think if it wasn't last episode, the episode before, the book goes deep into like yoga 
asana because yoga is not just what we do on the mat right yoga is how you live your life day in and day out what are those practices that allow you to stay in love to stay in a, a, a constant flow of love right that allow you to stay in a constant space of consciousness and awareness right what we do on the mat allows us to tap deeper into our body so that we can practice that off the mat right um so there's three things that arjan that arjan is offered from krishna the first one is engage your heart in your yoga practice right widen your circle is the second one and the third one is write your story with love and compassion i like to say rewrite your story with love and compassion because we are the only people that hold the pen to our story right so we're just gonna jump right on in um my notes are so messy excuse me y'all so on page 282, right, I'm just going to read all of it. It says, earlier when Arjuna's mind was overcome by fear, limitation, and confusion, Krishna stressed the importance of disciplining the mind and senses. Yoga requires control over the restless mind, which can be a challenge, especially in the dark night of the soul, right? So it is very hard to contain and control your thoughts when you're in the midst of this because that's how deep the despair and and confusion is right there is a version of you that you've been for so long that when something hits it's like wait a minute what just happened because I just got really confused about who I am and what I've been doing and how I've been living and how I've been loving and who I've been letting in, right? That, like, the despair and the confusion and the lamentation is the death of self, right? Because something so, something so big but so small came through and just, like, tore your life up. It came in and it said, listen, this is not who you really are. So I need you to go inward. Do what you got to do. Cry, yell, scream, shout, all of those things. So that you can come out and be exactly who you were designed to be. Ooh. Sit with that. Sit with that. It makes me think about people who are like, always like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my purpose is. Have you hit the dark night of your soul? Because in that space, I say it all the time, in that space is where you find the jewels and the gems. that lead you into what exactly it is that you're meant to be doing, right? Limitation and despair, like you can still function day to day with those things. It shows up as bitterness. It shows up as constant complaining. It shows up as constantly being unhappy. It can show up in how you take care of yourself. It shows up in your weight right are you dropping weight really fast gaining weight really fast it shows up in your eating habits it shows up in how you cope 
how much you're drinking, right? And this isn't judgment at all. This isn't judgment at all. Because listen, y'all know, I like, listen, I will tell y'all what y'all want to know. I have no shame. I've done some shady shit. I've done some crazy stuff. I've drank, I've smoked. Like, I've, I've popped a pill or two. Like, I've done some stuff. So this is no, like, I, I, I can't judge anybody, right? Pots and kettles. Pots and kettles. Like, no one has space to judge because we all fall short. All fall short every single day. It's growth. It's choice to not want to do that thing anymore, but find something that will help you love on you a little bit more so that you can love authentically a little bit more, right? Um, he goes on to say, uh, yoga requires control over the restless mind, which can be a challenge, especially in Dark Knight of the Soul. As Arjani confesses, the mind is unsteady, Krishna. It is impetuous, powerful, and obdurant. Obdurant. Whatever that word is. I think controlling the mind is, a di as, as, is as difficult as controlling the wind, which is true, right? To try and control your, your mind is hard, right? Like, why would you abuse yourself in that way? What it is, is the practice of not believing every thought, but also paying attention to your body when certain thought, thoughts arise that trigger a certain response, right? So you can think something and, like, if we believe everything that we think, bro, we'll be out here, like, crazy 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 right like to believe every single thing that the mind says and does and like the move the the I, like in my yoga in my asana classes when i teach right i do meditation in the beginning and the one thing i say is the mind is go the mind is like a toddler. It wants to show you and tell you all of the things that it did all day, yesterday, and what it wants to do tomorrow and in the future. Just let every thought pass without judgment. Yet there is that one thought, that one seed that can be planted and align with the rest of the body. Fill into that right? What does that feel like, right? So it's, it, it, it takes a lot of practice to come into consciousness of your thoughts that actually align with the mind and the body. I mean, with the body and the soul, right? Because not every thought, like some thoughts are memories, right? There's a movie playing up there of something that happened two, three years ago, right? You might randomly remember something that happened 10, 20 years ago, right? Acknowledge it and let it pass. Acknowledge it and let it pass. More potent than the mind, however, is the heart. More potent than the mind, however, is the heart. Krishna tells Arjuna that not only is the mind potent, but the heart is. Just like we're able to plant seeds 
in our mind, those seeds are also planted in our heart. I think what comes from what comes with the the seeds being planted in our heart is people, experiences, uh, relationships, mm, engagements, like the the way we engage with people, right? Like unhealed things from our childhood, things that we didn't know happened to us that were actually not good for us, right? Those kind of things. They turn into other seeds, other fruit down the down the line, down the road in life, right? He then says, by engaging our heart in our yoga practice, Krishna explains, we can overcome even the greatest obstacle on our path. Generally, yoga is passed formally from teacher to student, but Arjuna and Krishna are close friends. There is a relationship of love, right? Their deep friendship highlights the importance of a connected heart in yoga. So this also goes back to me sharing my story a little bit with uh, my best friend, right? There was, there's a, there was, there was a connected a connectedness at the heart to where now like there's like there's no hesitation on either end for any and everything advice all of those things right space all of those things even the commitment in like me being literally on the other side of the world Homegirl is like up till one o'clock in the morning and us talking. I'm just like, girl, go to sleep because I'm about to eat breakfast. And she's like, okay, cool. Thank you. And I'm just like, girl, like, like just all of that. Right. Krishna, Krishna confides that in that inspired by Arjuna's love for him, he's encouraged to reveal the yoga teachings once more, sharing the ultimate secret formerly known to the agents. Right. So now Krishna has taught Arjuna that a yogi or yogini sees all beings with equal vision at the level of the soul, right? Again, we can't really, like, if we look at people for what they do, what they don't do, we're judging, right? There's, there's, there's some space of judgment there, whereas we look at each other from being to being, right? how are you being instead of how are you doing right the next page it says at the top but how do we culture a love like this krishna in krishna's immediate response to arjuna's crisis his dark night of the soul was to give him the sword of discernment without discernment our love is conditional and founded on many misunderstandings and false identifications this is because it is love within the limitation of our small human story we could call it small love by contrast sacred love is love that is discerning in other words wise love it's love that is released from the ca uh, captivity of our small imprisoning human story right so this again right i i didn't want to tell her what was going on because i was i was i was in this story i was i was in this main character role of i'm a victim this is what happened to me 
this is also what happened to me, the trifecta of what happened to me, right? All of these things happen, domino effectively, whatever, whatever, whatever. She might judge me because of my story. But then discernment said to me, no, tell her. And the only, the only way my discernment, my, 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 like spirit would have said to the only way, the only reason why I believe spirit said to me, tell her is because then I was able to see her authenticity, her pureness in her heart, right? For not judging me based off of that story, right? For not also seeing me as I was seeing myself in that moment, right? I saw myself as a victim. I didn't I I didn't believe I was a victim, but at some point in time I had to say I'm actually like a victim of this. And there's there's almost like you have to name something to kind of get it out, but then you name it and then you end up claiming it. So there's like this balance between saying, "Okay, I am a victim of X Y and Z," right? but not sitting in that story because I don't want to stay a victim, right? I want to have victory over this thing. And I do have victory over this thing. I am no longer a victim of whatever this thing is, right? So the fear of her seeing me from that space also is what was telling me not to tell her like like my ego was telling me not to tell her because I didn't want her to see her see me the way that I was seeing myself in that moment right yet her authentic love allowed me to see myself more than a victim her authentic her, her authenticity gave me grounds to release what I needed to release and to see myself as, as something more than a victim in that moment. Right. Um, so at the bottom, Krishna takes this one step further. He advises Arjuna to direct his love inward as far inward as he possibly can. The love has to go inward first, right? The love has to go inward first, right? I always say the love has to go in and up so that it can go from up to down, back in and out, right? So when you are able to start loving on yourself, you start looking at God and loving God differently, right? You start looking at him as a healer, a protector. We know he's a provider. Everybody wants God to be a provider, right? But what about those other nuances of who he is, right? the 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 person that is that sets providence for me right and within that providence that bubble of providence there's protection right there's healing right i i know i'm provided for i need protection because i never felt protected right gratitude giving gratitude right um so i finished writing my book be prepared y'all about to get real sick of me and i'm working on a workbook component to go with it right and a major part of it is gratitude what is your gratitude practice being in the dark night of my soul 
allowed me to 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 open up gratitude right to show more gratefulness right no matter how bad something was i'm grateful that i'm alive today i'm grateful that i'm still here i'm grateful that i'm not stuck i'm grateful that i have food to eat i'm grateful for your protection i'm grateful for for my discernment right I'm grateful for my discernment. I'm grateful for the gift to be able to know that I can trust my discernment. I can trust myself, right? The lack of trust in other people sometimes is reflected in how much we trust ourselves. But sometimes I trust myself a little bit more than I trust everybody else. But there's certain spaces where it's like, okay, well, I don't trust my discernment because there's moments where I've been wrong or I don't trust my discernment because I've never been allowed to use it. Right? I've never I've never allowed myself to use it. Right? So gratitude. What does your gratitude practice look like? He goes on to say rather than direct our love first to our body, which is the vehicle, or to our mind, we can direct our love to Krishna, which is God, like I just said, the soul of the soul and the source of consciousness that is seated in the temple of our very being, the temple of your heart. By targeting our love to the sacred center, our love alchemically transforms from small love into sacred love, alchemizing. Um, I'm going to do a book club on the alchemist. I said to myself, I packed the book and then I unpacked the book. I packed it again and then I unpacked it. And yeah, now I wish I packed it. Um, because when you become the alchemy of your own pain and transmute that, you're now sitting somewhere else. Go I I advise everybody to go back to um October episodes of Voices of the Body and there's an episode where I talked with Miss Liz um who is a grief therapist right because the dark night of your soul like it's going to teach you grief right it's going to teach you grief something is not the same anymore you are allowed to grieve the old version of you i advise you to grieve the old version of you if you do not grieve the old version of you you will feel resentment towards all of the things that it had like it's part of the process right you have to grieve that old version of you or else somewhere, somehow that person is going to keep showing up and you're like, you're not going to know what to do. Right. And when she, so when that person does show up again, you can tell her where to go, write her a love letter, whatever that has to look like. Right. But I advise everybody to go back to that conversation with Miss Liz. Like I probably will go back to it because it is it was a beautiful conversation on 
your like being in the dark night of your soul and what that experience looks like and what happens when you come out of it and make the choice to alchemize and transmute your pain, right? She said something that was so profound where now like you're sitting with God, like you're not you're not above anybody, but you have a different viewpoint and a different connection with him to where you you can spot something different that that somebody else may not be able to see because you're that much more tapped in and attuned and conscious and aware, right? So I like tap into that episode if you haven't, if you need to go back. Like it, it was it was definitely relatable to us going through uh this book. Um so on page 285, he's talking about um the GPS of the mind, right? Um, he goes on to say, ultimately, all forms of yoga are meant to help us cultivate love and compassion. If our yoga is taking us not closer to, but further away from uh, love and compassion, then it has lost its way. If our practice is hardening our heart, it is not yoga. In Arjuna's dark night, a dark night experience his thoughts and decisions are at first guided by grief pity and shame his mind's gps system right grief pity and shame <laughs> grief is gonna come and go right it's it's such a nasty vicious cycle that like you learn to just kind of live with especially if you're grieving somebody like i think I think the the hardest grief is grieving people that are still living. Grieving people that are still living. That is weird to me, actually. Like, I have to grieve you. But also know that I may eventually see you. That's ghetto to me, actually. <laughs> like but but you have to grieve that relationship that situation that experience that fairy tale that thought whatever you thought it was going to be like i have to grieve you even though i know i may run into you one day that's crazy to me um yeah, GPS system of the mind, right? Pity, self-pity. I pity the fool, right? Having pity on yourself. Sometimes people sit in that for a very long time, right? And then shame, shame and guilt has been like a designer of choice in clothing that I've worn for a very long time. Like those might be the very two things like uh, shame and guilt, right? My GPS, so like kind of figure out that for yourself, right? My GPS would probably still be GPS for, but guilt, pity and shame. Um, cause guilt and shame were two things that like, just wouldn't like had me in a choke hold, right? 
decisions coming from guilt because I didn't want the other person to feel bad. I didn't want them to not love me. I didn't want them to feel like I wasn't good enough for them or I didn't want them to be disappointed in me, right? And shame, like, just gross, right? Krishna teaches Arjana how to be guided by sacred love instead. This is possible when we form a sankopa, which is a movable, immovable resolve or your intention um, to make our life an offering of love. We'll explore. So there's, if you go through the rest of this, um, I'm probably, I'm not going to go deep into it because that's also a whole nother podcast. But also, like, if you've ever taken yoga nidra, which is yoga sleep, it takes you into a deep sleep where you're still aware, but you're unaware, you're conscious, but you're not conscious. Um, you set a sankopa in the beginning. What is my intention my, for this practice, right? Um, so it, like, it, 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 it's deep like it's how to build out a sankopa is in this chapter and i think they did a very the author did a really good job of like breaking down what that looks like um um uh, but a sankopa has the power to reshape your destiny right so setting that sankopa before you do yoga nidra you come out of that with a different thought process. You come out of that with a different level of rest. You come out of that with something completely different, right? So on page 286, at the top, it says, Sacred love is an, is an unlimited state of being, and the practice of offering love can make every moment fulfilling. As Krishna confides, this yoga is joyfully practiced and is limitless. The more we practice offering loving kindness, the more our loving kindness grow without end, right? It's like anything else. The more you practice patience, the more patience you have. The more you practice giving, the more you become a joyful giver, right? To whomever, wherever, organization, church, people, all of that, right? Um, never do anything out of spite. Like how you behave says a lot about where your heart is. How you behave says a lot about where your heart is. How you behave says a lot about where your heart is, right? Um, the more our love and kindness grow without end, our every effort and our every breath can be an act of love, a sacred engagement that is deeply satisfying for us and deeply satisfying for everyone we touch in our life. So the first, um, the first part of this is engage your heart in your yoga practice, right? So at the top of page 291, um, it says, faced with life's tribulations and challenges, our heart can become harder or softer. The art of allowing life to make our heart soft is called yoga. Remember earlier, I said that I like, I lament, I like, I'm, I, I cry, right? It makes people uncomfortable. I don't give a damn. Like, if, if me crying makes you uncomfortable, that's a you thing, not a me thing, right? That has like, but I had to learn that, right? I had to learn that. There's a lot of times where I would apologize for crying, 
But it's like, no, this is how I empty myself. This is how I empty my heart. This is how I let go because I want to stay soft. I want to stay pure. I want to stay authentic. I want to stay in joy. I want to stay in happiness. I don't want to be hard. I don't want to be a hard person. I'm not a hard person. I am a jolly green giant. I am a 5'10 soft giant. Like this is where me and basketball had to end our relationship because I couldn't get with the girls that were playing. It was I was I was very soft. Like my nickname, I said this before on here. My nickname in high school was Cupcake. I love cupcakes. Vegan cupcakes if you really want to just like show out. Right? I can't fake being hard. I like I'm not even going to pretend to cuz what is that going to benefit me? It doesn't allow me to stay authentic and true to myself. I want to stay true to myself. There's people that depend on me to stay true to myself so that they can learn it's okay to be true to yourself, right? It says whenever we practice any form of yoga, even yoga postures, we can remember that the aim of our practice is to open our heart, to increase our uh, capacity to love. This then refrains, reframes everything we do in yoga. If you ever take a yoga class with me, you're going to cry afterwards because I get into the hips and we open up the heart. We open up that front body, right? I remember in my 200-hour um one of my one of the girls in my 200 hour who I miss so dearly um and she would say it out loud like there the it was hard for her to there like there were some heart things going on right there was some vulnerability things that she had going on so it made it hard for her to do poses that would ask for you to open up the shoulders open up the heart keep that front body nice and open right a lot of the postures and the poses also reveal where you are internally right so hyperextending over like is overextending right like it, like they show up they manifest in like everything manifests into something right um with this focus we naturally become more conscious of our state of our state of heart we can be more aware when people or events trigger us right those that that t word is important and we can use that mindfulness in the service of love when we're driven by low qualities that diminish or oppose love by the wealth of the ungodly remember we talked about knowing the difference between ungodly and the wealth of the divine uh we can avoid acting from this state instead like cat which is who she who the cat who the author, not character, was talking about in and like a story um prior to what I'm reading now, right? Kat was watching Trump on uh on 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 TV and just like they talked about how America itself is in a dark night of the soul because of the leadership and all the changes and everything that happened during COVID, right? Um we can shelter in our divine qualities, right? 
So if we remember, right, going back to page 214, we talked about V yoga, which is the opposite of yoga, right? So if we move to page 295, it says at the top, love is the, oh, before we get to that, right, a lot of us know this story, but in, is it Japan? Overseas right i believe it's japan china somewhere in asia northeast asia it might be all of asia right um what they do when there's a broken when you have a broken bowl right what they do is to repair it they use gold lacquer to bring it back together the gold lacquer you can see clear as day right so the author is now talking about how even in our brokenness, we can be repaired, but that what that's what that dark night of the soul experience is, right? It's shattering who you thought, what you thought your identity was, what you thought your story was and repairing you. And as you're being repaired, that gold lacquer, right? The deeper you go, the more diamonds and diamonds and pearls the more diamonds and pearls and gold and all the jewels all the things that you find right so on page 295 it says at the top love is the gold lacquer that allows us to put together the pieces of our brokenness in the dark night of the soul love and kindness make us whole and beautiful imbuing our brokenness with wisdom and revealing the strength inherent the strength inherent in vulner vulnerability it's easy to focus on the disappointments of life, the flaws, the broken pieces. This can make us cynical, hardening our hearts. It can make us impervious to the suffering of others, right? So when we're constantly focusing on the broken parts of life, right, we miss out on the chance to be empathetic and really see other people right we we miss out on the opportunity to connect we miss out on all of that first of all who wants to be around somebody that's like complaining all the time right and bitter all the time that's one way to miss out on connecting with people is staying in that space right i remember before leaving for my trip um I was talking to my homegirl about a conversation, a text conversation, and what what this text conversation with this particular person, once upon a time, I would have been like, bro, why are you so aggy? Like, why are you like this? But I chose to like skip over all of the complaining and just stay authentic in my space of of staying authentic right looking at the celebrations looking at the wins looking at the good stuff right it's not the toxic positivity which i like once i heard it called toxic positivity i was just like oh okay i see that right because there is a space where we should lament where we should um, allow ourselves to empty out what is happening and really stay present in what is happening, right? Good, bad, or indifferent. But to to tell somebody, oh, get over it, you'll be fine. Like that's that toxic positivity, right? You like you're dishonoring where this person is in their journey, right? So yeah, that toxic positivity, like that, that's actually very real. Um, and I'm glad that that was starting to be talked about because 
we've all done it, right? It's like, oh, you'll be fine. Like, just just pick yourself up. Don't worry about it. You have this, you have that. And it's just like, well, no, it doesn't matter what I have or don't have, right? I'm still broken. I'm still hurting. It like, it's whatever I'm experiencing is still a thing. I want to be able to feel what I'm feeling without you telling me to brush over it, right? Um, it's easy for us to focus on the disappointments, the flaws, the broken pieces. Um, it can make us, okay, well, I read that. This is the path to V yoga, the opposite of yoga. So yoga is sacred love, right? But when we focus on the disappointments and the flaws of life, we stay in the opposite side of yoga, which is V yoga, right? Think about that yin and the yang. By using love and kindness as a precious lacquer in our life and the life of others, we engage our heart in our yoga practice, right? Um, right. Your heart shows up in everything that you do, everything that you do, whether you know it or not, right? Like I said before, your behaviors show your heart, right? Your behaviors show where you're leading from. So on page 298 to 299, the only way to heal is through love and compassion. Of course, love is a word with many meanings and is often misused. In order to act from this deeply powerful place, we first need to find and restore its sacred meaning. Before beginning to share his most confidential teachings on love, Krishna indicates that the transition from small love to sacred love is the perfection of yoga. A physical exercise alone, yoga can't help us in our own dark night or in our societal dark night. But by making yoga a practice of the heart, right? So the physical practice of yoga is the asana, what we do when we go to a studio, when we're watching them YouTube videos, right? When we're on our yoga mat, that's the, that's the physical uh, practice of yoga, right? Becoming aware of our body, our breath um how something is showing up what we're feeling right attuning to our our body right but uh making it a practice of the heart lament and, and re release and move on right release and let go right really allowing yourself to be aware and conscious of what is sitting in your heart and how to how to keep love in your heart and lead with that. Um, but by making yoga a practice of the heart, we not only illuminate our own darkness, but light up the dark corners of our environment too. The dark night of the soul can help us become deeply compassionate both to ourselves and others. You do gain a new level of empathy right because there's i you wouldn't wish that on anybody yet you kind of wish it on people because you want them to be their full divine authentic self right so it, there's this like weird dance between i see you but then it's like i want you to see you right i want you to to see what is sitting in you that you haven't even unlocked yet but i also see what you're wearing right i also see what you've been carrying 
right? I had to learn that um, being a healer doesn't mean that I actually heal people. I am not Jesus. Don't want his job. Don't want to do nothing that he, like, no. And I'm also not God, right? Not, 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 no, not, no, not, 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 no, yes. Um, what I learned was I know how to hold space for people, right? So thinking about this podcast, right? This is me holding space for people, right? I'm talking a lot. But I'm holding space for you to to build awareness, right? Um, there's a difference. But you're able to hold better space for people once you've experienced a dark night of your soul, right? The dark night of the soul can help us become deeply compassionate both to ourselves and to others. Deep within love is what is most sacred to us all. We're ready to love and to be loved. I am. Right. But even learning that. Right. It's yes, I desire romantic love. I desire a partner. I have to be my my first lifelong partner. I have to first love and be loved by me. Right. I also had to learn that I acknowledge that I am loved right? That there's people that love me authentically and it's not because of what I do. It's not because of what I do, girl. It's not because of this podcast. It's not because I teach yoga. It's not because I can do X, Y. Like, it's not because of any of those things. It's because I am just authentically me. And that has been hard. To know that I can be loved for just being me, I don't have to do anything to prove anything, to prove that I'm worthy of love. I can just be and be loved for that. GTOF. What in the world? That was a game changer for me. But then the added bonus was that I was believed in, right? So I was loved just off the strength of me being me. Just off the strength of me being me. The next level to that was that I was not only loved, but also believed in by these same people. That they didn't see the things that I went through and use that against me as a weapon or as, girl, you just a failure. Sit with that. Right? Sit with that for a minute. Where have you been? Like, I know where I've been. I'm not going to say it on here because I just wrote a whole book about it. But like what space have you been in to where you had to prove your love through the things that you do create how you show what like all of that instead of just being loved for just being you. 
because you are you. Wild. How are you being, not how are you doing? I'm gonna start saying that. How you be? How you be, cuz? Um, please forgive me, y'all. I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm tired today. I'm very tired today. Um. So where was I? Oh, we're ready to love and be loved. Love is our natural inclination, the calling of the soul. Nothing less will satisfy or nurture us. And I had to like. You can't, you, you can't settle, right? But I also think you, when you start learning what love has, like looks like for you in your life, then you start attracting that. Like, so we, we attract what love we believe we deserve, right? We just don't always look at how we are loving ourselves and why we attracted that love right um then he says as my teacher explained we can experience so much of our life while our most centered central need the need to love and be loved remains unfulfilled love's power is unimaginable all else can be eliminated and forgotten if we come in touch with true love and affection when one questions are when one questions or challenges the principle of love, one has to accept defeat. Love is the most substantive principle. When we understand this, we engage our heart in our yoga practice, making unconditional love the aim of our practice. Right. So now we move into widening your circle. Right. Um, it talks about love and going into the depths of the many, 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 many definitions and depths of it. So I like how on page 302 at the bottom, he's talking about like the purity of love, right? How sacred texts uh, speak about the purity of love and what that looks like, right? When we allow the ego to drive us, love becomes manipulative and controlling by narcissism and jealousy, unkindness, false, percep false perceptions, and selfish intent. Y'all have actually had somebody use the Bible against me and tell me that I wasn't loving them right. Like, that's not how you use that sacred text, right? So he says, when we say I love you, we're usually more focused on the I than on the quality of love we're offering. This expression of the illusionary ego is known as small love. Pause. Think about... When you tell somebody that you love them and they don't say it back, what do you feel? Most people get mad and get angry and be like, you don't, you're not going to tell me you love me too? Oh, you don't love me too? Why you didn't say it back? Right? I got to a space where... If I tell you that I love you, it's because I actually do. Like, I adore you. Right? 
if you say it back to me, one, that's a bonus. Two, I'm hoping that you're saying it back because you also feel the same adoration that I'm expressing. I don't think there's a third. But I'm not, like, I've gotten to a space where I'm even kind of consciously aware of how I, like, say I love you or I'm proud of you or any of that, right? Like, a friend of mine, she's been um, sharing with me a program that she's launching, and I've been intentionally trying not to say I'm proud of you because it's not about me right i'm so proud of her though i'm like really proud of her because i know her journey to like getting to this space to just like doing it and launching it right but i like i intentionally tried to say how like every time i would like we would text back and forth or she would send me something new about the program i would I would take my time to not take too much time, but like I would in that moment say to myself, how do I let her know that I'm proud of her and affirm her without saying I, because it's not about me. Even though I know I'm like, I'm so proud of her, right? But how do I convey that message without, um, <clears throat> without, saying i'm so proud of you i knew you can do it right because i needed her to know that she can do it so i would say to her girl you are your own superpower like or i'd say girl the magic that you just released you are like you are going to do an amazing job with this you did an amazing job putting this together. You did an amazing job believing in yourself and just doing it and putting 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 all that other stuff aside, right? Like I'm learning how to take myself out of the equation when it comes to congratulating other people and all of that. It's still a practice, right? But I'm able to intentional, in, intentionally do it and not make it about me because I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about them, right? I want it to be about that person, right? Um, trapped within our small, our own small Im imagined stories. Our expression of love is fickle and limited. Oh, wait, I skipped something. I'm sorry. Oh, after when we say I love you, we're usually more focused on the I. Oh, this expression of the illusionary ego is known as small love, right? So I didn't want to do that. How do I empower her without saying, without putting myself in that equation? Trapped within our small story, within our small imagined stories, our expression of love is fickle and limited. If someone supports us in our story, they have our love and attention. But if someone undermines our suburban, our subverts or subverts our story, um, we feel threatened and withhold our love. But simply 
Put simply, small love can be highly conditional. I remember having a conversation with somebody who hurt me badly. Badly. And as we were getting off the phone, I said to them, you will never understand how much I love you. I wasn't expecting them to say it back to me and they didn't say it back to me. And in that moment, all that I bounced around back and forth in my head about, no, this person does love me. No, they, their love is conditional. No, but they, they're just going through a lot. Like they just have a lot of work to do. No, their love is very conditional. They only want X, Y, and Z, all of these things, right? In that moment, I got the confirmation that I needed. Because this was the person that I also was able to learn how to say how much I love you without expecting you to say it back. It was a bonus for you to say it back. And now I'm happy that they didn't say it back because it wasn't real. It was conditional. It was very conditional. Did it hurt? It stung a little bit right maybe my maybe it stung my ego a little bit maybe it stung my heart a little bit who knows but in that moment i was able to like it plays in my head sometimes i'm just like it was very conditional it was very conditional and that's okay and that's okay because i don't deserve conditional love from anybody anybody my clients, people I work with, people come to my class. Sure, the condition is I give you a service and you pay me. That's the condition, right? You probably love me for, for the offering, right? The service that I provide. And I love you because you paid me for the service, right? There's a condition. But other than that, no, no. In small love, we often believe our love depends first on finding the right person to love. Packaging ourselves as a commodity, we try to enhance our own value by making ourselves more attractive. We then look for someone who represents a good exchange in the relationship marketplace. In small love, we also don't truly see the person we claim to love at the level of the soul. We only see a secondary character in our own little story. We perceive others in relation to our own illusionary ego and its needs. Ultimately, it's a love based on illusion, and therefore it generally lasts only as long as the relationship serves both parties in some way. Oof! This man was preaching in this book. Um, we'll drop down to the bottom. It says we struggle to love those who cannot, we cannot relate to, or those who hurt us betray or betray us. Ugh. How much do you love somebody even after they hurt you? Right. So let's let's sit there. Right. When we when when we're betrayed, when we're hurt, right. 
that does something to our heart. Right? That does something that puts something up in our heart. Right? We have to widen what all of that looks like. Right? Widening that gaze is allowing ourselves to really be honest with ourselves about, bro, this person hurt me, but I love them to pieces. I just didn't think that they would break me into pieces. Right? So, I don't know if I shared this. I might have. The level of forgiveness that I have extended to... Well, now it's not just one person. It's a particular, it's, it's a particular set of people, right? Therapy and doing my work and all of that, I started to notice a lot of patterns. Um, one of them I'm still working on. I'm honest about it. But um, also tapping back into the <clears throat> episode on forgiveness that I did with Jasmine in season one, the, end, the very last episode. I may have said it there, but when we talk about love, right? In the meditation, I mentioned agape love, right? Agape love is um god's love the love for people right and then you have um uh eros love which is that ooh, that ro romantic relational love right um then there's there's more versions of love but i'm just sitting with those two for a particular reason then um so this person this particular person because I'm I'm trying to understand parental love at this big age. So that's a different story for a different day for a different episode. Um ooh, that will definitely be a episode. But this particular love that I have for this person, right? The work it took me to when I finally got to a place in the work that I was doing, right, to forgive this person because it was a daily practice. Forgiveness is a daily practice. Surrendering gratitude and forgiveness are daily practices. I'm going to say it again. Surrendering gratitude and forgiveness are daily practices daily practices because today you say you forgive somebody and they'll go do some dumb shit tomorrow or say something crazy out their neck tomorrow right so so explaining how i was able to forgive this person so quickly was because of how much i love them and was able to once surrender them back to god right which also allowed me to move the love that i have for them back to agape love right and that's a daily practice right because there's days where i'm still in eros love for this person right 
but I don't want to be there anymore because they don't deserve that version of me. And I don't deserve what shows up in that space with them. Right. So because God loves all of us, I surrender this person daily and will have surrendered this person daily and have moved this person to agape love because he's, they still deserve love, right? I can't even say that friendship love for me is a thing that's available right now because it's not. I'm just being very honest about that. But he deserves, they deserve, it's too late. This person deserves love from God. Every person deserves God's love. Every person should want God's love, right? They're entitled to that. They're no longer entitled to Eros' love from me. But they are entitled to agape love, which is that... I don't even want to, I mean, it's, it's brother and sister in the kingdom type love, right? But it's the love that God gives. You deserve that love from me. You don't deserve anything more than that. Period. Moving on. So now we're moving into number three, where we talk about Oh, I skipped over a part on page 317, right? So I'm actually glad that I shared that story because it moves me right into intimate relationship with God. That's also what helped me move my love around for this person, right? Because I was building my relationship even more with God, right? Gratitude. Again, gratitude, forgiveness, and surrendering is a daily practice right so at the bottom of page um 317 in bhakti yoga we offer our heart to krishna which is god this is the most mystical of traditions bhakti is nurtured through a very personal and intimate relationship with the divine just like the relationship of love between arjana and krishna people tell me a lot that i'm like i'm good with god like i'm like they're like god loves you a lot and i'm just like yeah he does Touch not my anointing and do my servant no harm. Hmm. Listen, God loves me and I love him. Like, we out here. We out here. Then at the bottom, it says, um, to develop such an intimate union with the soul of the universe through sacred love is the aim of bhakti yoga, the yoga of offering love. The ancient mystical text says Krishna can't be seen with the material eye or understood with the material mind. His very form is composed of love, right? And therefore he remains invisible in, in, invisible to a heart hardened by violence and devoid of love. So God is love and love shows up in people. And how you show love is how you show up. There you go. Those who practice the yoga of offering love are able to see the beautiful form of God in the core of their heart through the eyes of love. That form becomes visible to them, reflected on the mirror of their pure heart. But take great care. Be warned. 
once someone glimpse, uh, glimpses Krishna, even for a moment, they lose all attraction for the ordinary things of this world. They appear to her as valueless as broken pieces of glass, right? So this, when I read this, this made me, um, like, what we're talking about, like, love and the heart, right? It made me think about Proverbs 4.23, where it says, guard your heart above all else, um, for it determines the course of your life. As I said, right, your heart, like how you behave is like it shows up in your heart. So if your heart is hard, you're going to talk to people crazy. You're going to be disrespectful. You're going to be nasty to people. You're not going to show much emotion. Like you're just going to be, it's going to be ugly, right? And then moving into the last little tidbit of this, uh, it is Write Your Story with Love and Compassion on page 321. In the dark night of the soul, our life story is shattered. This opens an opportunity to rewrite our story. This time consciously, right? That's why I said rewrite using the highest design principle the yeah the highest design principle love and compassion what if we could make our entire life an expression of love and service what if we could write our story out of sacred love rather than out of fear ego neediness and attachment right writing our story with love is an art and like the mastery of any art it requires practice it requires an understanding of the ancient techniques of creating an infallible intent called the sankopa right which is our intention and it's going to tell you in here how to write out your sankopa as well as how to nourish and protect our sacred love right so i'm not going to go through all of the um steps to doing your sankoba because this episode is already very long um but living a life of love it starts with humility right we we talk about how krishna his original sankopa was in despair right and then we learn um what is that on page 329 right at the beginning of the bhagavad gita arjana is lost and confused but by the end of krishna's yoga teaching arjana finds his sankopa and is now willing to face the battlefield as he declares his confusion has vanished and he's ready to engage with life this time with awareness of his true identity beyond the play of form of the world he says my confusion is destroyed and by your grace i have regained memory O foul oh infallible one i'm firmly resolved with doubts dispelled and i'm ready to act accordingly to your words right so his original sankopa was confusion right and once he was able to regain that it was no longer that, right? So it proposes, what's your story, right? It's the whole point of me starting this podcast was getting people to tell their stories, right? And growing from that, like live, living and loving from that space, right? <laughs> On page 333, Arjana then, oh, at the top it says, we can make... Love has nothing to take, but everything to give, right? That, I love that so much. Oh, I love when he, like, I love that. 
at the bottom of 332, love has nothing to take but everything to give. Everything to give. Then on page 333, it says, we can make everything we do an expression of love and affection. This is known as continuous practice. Rather than being something we reserve for our yoga mat only, yoga now becomes our life practice. One of the most surprising questions Arjuna asks Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita is, what is knowledge, right? Who have you ever asked that question? Like, what is knowledge? Arjuna has a sense that real knowledge is not about storing ideas and information in our mind. After all, Arjuna has learned so much from wise elders and sages. But on the battlefield, he finds himself utterly lost and confused. So, what does it mean to actually know? Right? I love Krishna's response. He says, Humility, absence of deceit, nonviolence, tolerance, and simplicity is knowledge. All else is the absence of knowledge. So when you do things with humility, without deceit, non you 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 move in a non-volatile way, you have tolerance and you do things in a simplistic way, which I believe simplistic simplic simplicit simplicity is clarity, right? You have knowledge, you have understanding, right? If the information we hold doesn't create transformation within, if it doesn't elevate us, it's simply another manifestation of folly or the absence of knowledge. I'm ending right there. I'm going to say that one more time. If the information we hold does not create transformation within, if it doesn't elevate us, it's simply another manifestation of folly or the opposite, the absence of knowledge, right? So as you go on your journey, right, whether you're saying yes to healing, yes to digging up some stuff, you're in the middle of your dark night of the soul, things that you learn, the things that you take in, allow them to transform you, right? Which means you have to be very mindful of what you're taking in, right? Um, when you're putting out, when you're releasing things from your heart, you have to be mindful of who's speaking into you. I always say the gates of the body, who's speaking into you, what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to, right? Where you're going, who you're around, all of those things, because you're raw, like you're really raw in that space. So to empty the heart is to be mindful of what you're filling it back in with, right? So this book is magical, y'all. I love this book so much, so, so much. It's done such a I'm grateful that I've had the space to actually like dig deep into it while I'm out here. Um, so yeah, I hope this episode has blessed y'all. I hope reading this book has blessed y'all. I hope you've been able to learn a lot, investigate, bring awareness to all of it, all the things, all the things. This book is really, really good, really good. Yeah. All right. I love y'all for free. Until next time.